Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Morrissey Movement. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss and share one aspect of fitness and one aspect of medicine. Being a general surgeon and a garage gym athlete, I have a strong passion for both of these aspects of life. So sit back and enjoy the show. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I am in no way forming a patient-doctor relationship. While the aspects discussed in this podcast are medically accurate, you should always discuss with your doctor any questions that you may have about the content. You should always discuss with your doctor before starting any new exercise or dietary changes. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Dr. Chris Morrissey here back for another episode of the Morrissey Movement. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show so far and also for those who have reached out with feedback and ideas for future podcasts. I really appreciate that. Also, feel free to share this with your colleagues or friends if you feel they could benefit from this show like you have. So this week on the Morrissey Movement, I'm going to discuss a few different topics. I'm going to talk about labs and LATs. So I'm going to go through and cover what screening labs you should get when you're in between your 40s and 60s for both men and women. And I'll also go over some different exercises to improve your lats, to mix up your exercise, to optimize your gains. Okay, so let's dive in. I'm going to start with men first. So according to Medline, there are a few things that you should get checked out, and I'm going to also add my two cents as well. So first off, you should get your blood pressure checked. Uh, While this is not a lab, this is something you should get done at least once every couple of years if you do not routinely go to the doctor. If the top number, or what's called your systolic blood pressure, is anywhere between 120 and 139, and the bottom number is between 1, I'm sorry, between 80 and 89, what's called millimeters of mercury, which is the measurement they use to, uh, the measurement uh, uh, entity that they use to check your blood pressure. You should probably get this done about every year. Um, It's also a good idea to get it checked first thing in the morning if you can before you've done too much for the day. If you can't, then you should definitely avoid caffeinated beverages before getting it checked because this can elevate your blood pressure. Also, you should make sure that you rest approximately two to three minutes before checking it. To truly diagnose hypertension, you have to have two separate blood pressure readings that are elevated on two separate days. So if someone comes to my office, even though I'm not a family physician, we still check vital signs when you come to see me for a surgical consult. Um, And they do have, you know, you come to my office and your blood pressure is elevated at that time. I usually have them check in again before they leave the office. Um... But uh, what I'll also have them do is either go back to their family care doctor or go somewhere else on a different day to get it checked again. And if it remains elevated on two separate occasions on two different days, then you may benefit from some sort of intervention to help lower your blood pressure. So there's also this thing called white coat syndrome, which it actually does play a part in your blood pressure being elevated. So people that just are very stressed out about going to the doctor, they don't like going or they're afraid of what's going to be found. Um, this tends to elevate your blood pressure also, which may not be a true uh, reading for what your normal baseline is. So um, <clears throat> so definitely that'll play a, you know a factor. But also, you know, if you're stressed about something at work or at home, probably don't go get your blood pressure checked at that time. You know, if that's the only time you can do it, well, that's fine. But just know that it fluctuates throughout the day also with many different entities. So so that's first and foremost, get your blood pressure checked. Cholesterol is another metric you should have checked starting around 35 years of age. If that's normal, then they recommend to check it every three to five years. If it is elevated, then it will need to be monitored more closely. If you do have elevated cholesterol, definitely talk to your doctor first, and then you may want to begin some sort of lifestyle modifications such as exercise, dietary changes, smoking cessation, and if all of those are unsuccessful, then possibly getting on medication if these do not work. 
Um, me personally, I do have elevated cholesterol. Um, mine is genetics, and you know, I've I pretty much eat a paleo diet, which is made to do, to uh, reduce your cholesterol. Um, but I've probably had elevated cholesterol for the past 20 years, and no matter what I am doing, whether I'm working out, whether I'm not, my cholesterol remains elevated. So I did go on a medication for some time since I have everything else dialed in, but I did not tolerate the medication very well. So now I've gone to mainly just being a little more strict with my diet more than I was before. So just something to think about. Another thing that I have talked about before on the podcast is colorectal screening. Um, you definitely need to get this assessed. I do have an entire podcast. It is actually episode one that I've dedicated to this. So go back and listen to that if you haven't for more details. But in short, if you have no family history and no issues, 45 years of age is the recommended age on getting screening. It used to be 50. However, within the last couple of years, they changed this to 45. If you have a family member that has colorectal cancer, then it is recommended you start 10 years prior to the youngest person in your family being diagnosed with colorectal cancer. So if your mother was diagnosed at the age of 40, then you need to get screened at the age of 30. There is a stool sample that can be done, but these have been found to be inaccurate. So I definitely recommend a colonoscopy. Yes, I am biased because I'm a surgeon and I do perform these, but I feel this is the gold standard and best way to detect colorectal cancer. Something else that isn't always discussed a lot is getting a dental exam once, uh, you know, getting it checked every other year or so. Um, so depending on what you have and your issues, you may need to get checked more often, but go to the dentist and get checked out because this can impact your health also. An eye exam is also something else that should be done every two to four years starting at the age of 40 unless you're having issues before this, obviously. If you are a diabetic, you will need to have an eye exam at least every year. Speaking of diabetes, you should also get screened for this beginning in your 40s. There is a blood test called the hemoglobin A1C or glycosylated hemoglobin. So this is actually a three-month assessment of blood sugars. This is more accurate than just a finger stick initially since there are a lot of factors that can alter this. Your red blood cells are recycled every three months and this is what they are assessing. So this sees how much sugar is actually attached to your red blood cells. You should also be doing self testicular exams, obviously being male, about every month or so. Um, this is a screening for testicular cancer. This is something very easy to do, and you can catch things early on um, if you're diligent about doing so. So about once a month, just check to make sure you don't have any new lumps or bumps. Now, what are some other things you can get checked? I feel that you should also have a complete blood count, which is called the CBC, a complete metabolic profile, which is a CMP, which again checks electrolytes, liver function, kidney function, protein levels and such, um, a thyroid stimulating hormone or a TSH and also possibly a free T4 in addition to the above things that I mentioned. Now depending on your history and your physician, these may not all be checked at a routine visit. So if you have high cholesterol, there's also another test that you can get called apo, apolipids, which is APO and then lipids. Um, these actually assess the size and shape of the cholesterol molecule, not just the total cholesterol that you see. So this may differ your treatment regimen depending on your results. Um, I know I've covered some of these labs in general and other podcasts as well. So that's kind of the general overall for males. Now moving on to females. So in addition to everything that I mentioned above, there's a few separate things that you do being a female. So breast cancer screening should be started early in life, beginning with self-breast exams. Uh, there's some controversy in the literature whether this is helpful or not, but I feel 
is definitely something that doesn't hurt to do and you can do it at home. Um, women between the ages of 40 and 49 should have a mammogram every one to two years depending on your risk and or history of breast cancer. Something else that should be done is cervical cancer screening. should start around age 21. Um, after the first test, after you get screened once, women ages 30 through 65 should be screened with either a pap smear <clears throat> every three years or the HPV or human papillomavirus test every five years. If you or your sexual partner has other new partners, you should have a pap smear test every three years. Women ages 65 through 70 can stop having pap tests as long as they have had three normal tests within the past 10 years. Women who have been treated for precancerous, which is called cervical dysplasia, should continue to have pap smear tests for 20 years after treatment or until the age of 65, whichever is longer. If you had had your uterus and cervix removed, which is called a total hysterectomy, and you have not been diagnosed with cervical cancer, you do not need to have pap smear exams. Another thing you can get tested for, which is osteoporosis. So all women over the age of 50 with fractures should have a bone density test or also called a DEXA scan, which I have covered in another podcast as well. If you are under the age of 65 and have risk factors for osteoporosis, you should also be screened. So those are the two kind of main screenings you can do. Again, this is a little bit out of the lab scope, but this is something else I wanted to discuss. So um, where can I go to get this done? So I would first start with your family doctor. You know, if they're not open to this type of screening, which most of them are, but for whatever reason they're not, start off by trying to find a functional medicine practitioner in your area. Um, there are also some online lab tests that you can get. Um, I've actually used one called Inside Tracker. So you can go to their website, not a sponsor, not affiliated with them at all, but this is something that I've done. So there's a different packages that you can select from anywhere between $100 to like $500. Um, you can also download an app. So what will happen is you have to go to a outpatient laboratory facility. They use Quest Labs, which is located in main, most major cities. Um, so you have to schedule an appointment with them. You basically, you order your package, you get an email sent to you, and then you'll go to the lab, you'll print off the thing, they know exactly what they need, they'll draw your blood, they send it off within one to two weeks, you'll get an email with your results, and then it'll direct you to the site, and then what's pretty cool about this is you can actually download your results, and then based off of that, the app will give you recommendations on increasing certain dietary supplements, or different exercise regimens, or whatever, depending on what you see, so it is a nice tool, it's not the end-all, be-all of anything, but... But again, once you get all the information, go to your doctor before starting anything on your own, um, any, any type of supplements or whatever. So that's one thing you can do. Another good idea might be is to get a nutritional assessment, which is something else you could consider. There are some functional medicine labs that will check for different nutritional deficiencies, and then you can alter supplementation or dietary changes based off of this. As a rule, what I always say is whole food is always better that you should use that first before using nutrients from pills um, food is just always you know better to go with so so those are some basic lab data hopefully that's helpful you know some of you may have had these done some of you may have had other things done again this is not a comprehensive uh, list these are just the ones that i feel are the most important that you should get assessed and then i'll obviously follow up on any deficiencies or things that may be found um, so that's that so now since we talked about labs i'm going to jump in and start talking about the lats so the lats or the latissimus dorsi is a large flat muscle on the back that stretches to the sides behind the arm and is partially covered by the trapezius muscle on the back near the middle of the back. The word latissimus dorsi comes from the Latin and means broadest muscle of the back. Um, 
so there's you know you have a pair of them uh one on each side so these are again called lats especially among bodybuilders um so the latissimus dorsi is the largest muscle in the upper body uh you know so one of the big things bodybuilders are known for is that they do the lat spread or they put their hands on their hips and they kind of roll their shoulders forward to flare out their muscles so one of the most notorious bodybuilders for having ginormous lats was a guy named Dorian Yates, which he was one of the best bodybuilders from back in the 80s and 90s, in my opinion. Um, you know, that shows my age. So if some of you are young and have no idea who that is, go look him up on YouTube or Google him. He's he's a pretty fascinating guy. So um, anyway, that's that. Uh, so the lats, what do they do? They're primarily responsible for extension, adduction or adduction, transverse extension, also known as horizontal abduction, flexion from an extended position and internal rotation of the shoulder joint. Um, it is also synergistic in extension and lateral flexion of the lumbar spine. So synergistic means that it helps other muscles working together as like a team approach rather than rather than just having one muscle that does everything. So um, so it does quite a bit for the upper body and for the arms. Due to pipe bypassing the scapulothoracic joints and attaching directly to the spine, the actions the lats have on moving the arms can also influence the movement of the scapula, which is your shoulder blade, such as the downward rotation during a pull-up. So as far as nerve supply goes, this is a little bit more nerd information than you probably need, but it's innervated by the 6th, 7th, and 8th cervical nerves through the thoracodorsal, or what's also called long subscapular nerve. So there's a test called an EMG, which is an electromyography, suggests that it consists of six groups of muscles um, that can independently be coordinated by the central nervous system. As far as function, again, it assists in depression of the arm with the teres major and pectoralis major. It adducts or brings closer to the midline of the body, extends, and internally rotates the shoulder. So when you kind of roll your shoulder in, that's what your internal rotation and extension was when you push your arm behind you. When the arms are in a fixed overhead position, the latissimus dorsi pulls the trunk upward and forward. Again, we talked about synergism. So it has a synergistic role in extension and lateral flexion of the lumbar spine and also assists as a muscle of both forced expiration using the anterior fibers and an accessory muscle of inspiration so it helps with breathing also. Most latissimus dorsi exercises concurrently recruit the teres major, the posterior fibers of the deltoid, the long head of the triceps, among numerous other stabilizing muscles. So it's really, really hard to just use your lats for doing things. You can isolate them fairly well, but it always ends up incorporating other muscles as well. So compound movements for the lats typically involve elbow flexion and tend to recruit the biceps brachialis and the brachioradialis for its function. Depending on the line of pull, the traps or trapezius muscle can also be recruited as well. Horizontal pulling motions such as rows recruit the latissimus and the, tri the triceps heavily. From a uh, physician or clinical significant standpoint, if you have tight latissimus dorsi muscles, this has been shown to be contributed to chronic shoulder pain and chronic back pain because the lats connect to the spine, connect the spine to the humerus, which is your upper arm bone. Tightness in this muscle can manifest as either a suboptimal glenohumeral joint or your shoulder joint function, which can lead to chronic pain or tendonitis 
in the tendinous fascia that covers the latissimus dorsi to the thoracic and lumbar spine. So if somebody comes in with shoulder pain, don't always look at the shoulder, always look at other places. So having tight lats could be an issue of this as well. The latissimus dorsi is a potential source of muscle for breast reconstruction surgery after I have a mastectomy um, or to correct a pectoralis hypoplastic defect such as Poland syndrome. An absent or hypoplastic latissimus dorsi can be one of the associated symptoms of Poland syndrome. So if someone has a mastectomy, you can get um, a flap, which basically they mobilize the lat and they rotate it around to kind of cover the defect area to give a little bit of support. Um, cardiac support. So for heart patients with low cardiac output and who are not candidates for car cardiac transplantation, there's a procedure called a cardiomyoplasty, which I've never seen this before. Um, but it may support the failing heart. So this procedure involves wrapping the latissimus dorsi muscles around the heart and electrostimulating them in synchrony with the ventricular systole. As far as injury goes, it's pretty rare. They, they occur disproportionately in baseball pitchers. Diagnosis can be achieved by visualizing the muscle and movement testing. You may need to get an MRI of the shoulder girdle, which can confirm the diagnosis. Muscle belly injuries are treated with rehab, while tendon avulsion injuries sometimes are treated with surgery or with rehab. Regardless of treatment, patients tend to return to play without any loss of function. So I actually injured my lat when I was uh, doing a MRF training um, program. So if those of you unfamiliar with the, with the workout Murph, uh, it is one typically done Memorial Day in um, remembrance of Michael Murphy, who is in the Navy SEALs. Um, so the workout of this is you run a mile, then you do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 sit-ups, and then run a mile. Um, I'll go over Murph in general on another podcast, but uh, it is a one of the best workout plans that there is is to be training overall body systems so but anyway um so i did hurt that i feel like it just felt a strain or a pull and i was unable to do any pull-ups for a couple of months i just kind of laid off of those and let that heal um again on the on at the time i was actually on a statin called crestor which is a cholesterol medication i blame it on that whether that was it or not i don't know but i had these weird muscle injuries and pains when i was on the medication and since i've been off of it knock on wood I haven't had any issues, so hopefully that was the case. But So as far as how do you train your lats, what are some of the best ways to train them? Um, I'm going to list off about 13 to 14 different exercises, go over them in brief detail. This is in by no means a comprehensive list. Uh, make sure always you check with a doctor and or a trainer and get taught how to do these properly before doing these in general. So first, wide grip pull-ups. It's one of my favorite exercises um, to just – overall body strength that it really works your lats and your triceps and everything like that so um the key with this you don't want to go too wide your arms should make a, a y when you start from the hanging position if it's too hard bring your hands a little bit closer you still get a good lat activation um make sure you keep your core engaged including your glutes so basically how do you do it from a dead hang so you just grab the pull-up bar and, and hang there and then you pull your scapula down and together which pulls your body up and then you pull yourself up by pushing your elbows down towards your body so you stop when your chin is above the bar and your chest as close to the bar as possible don't lose your form at the top by letting your shoulders round forward your head should remain straight forward at all times use a full range of motion for each rep for the best results and lat development so this means go all the way up and go all the way down if you're unable to do a pull up there's a lot of different progressions you can do um, one you can start with is what are called body rows which basically you go to the squat rack you lower the bar 
to around chest height, maybe a little bit lower, and then you basically hang from the pull-up bar at an angle, and you pull, or I'm sorry, hang from the bar, the barbell at an angle, and you pull yourself up. So that's one thing you can do. You can also do a band. So the, some of those resistance bands, you can loop that around the pull-up bar to give you some resistance, or I'm sorry, assistance to help pull you up over the bar. Um, they also have a machine in some commercial Globo gyms that actually are pull-up assisted machines. You can add weight to help increase your assistance to pull yourself over the bar great exercise one again one of my favorite exercises to do is pull-ups in general so something else you can also incorporate which is adding on to this is doing weighted pull-ups so if you can do three to four sets of pull-ups with 10 to 12 reps on the wide grip then you want to add some weight so you can either use a dip belt which is one of those weird looking belts with a chain on it and hook a plate through it to kind of put between your legs and you can do that or you can also um, put on a, a weight vest with different uh, different weights on them and decide how you want to go about with that. Another good exercise would be closed grip chin, chin ups. Um, so unlike the wide grip pull ups, the close grip chin up is more of an all around back exercise as you're incorporating those with your arms as well for to help power the movement. That said, the close grip chin up is kind of different with the close grip chin up the movement involves more shoulder extension which means your lower lats and your mid lats are going to be activated to a higher degree as far as what are some form tips for this um, position your hands about three to five inches apart with an underhand grip so typically pull-ups are done with a overhand grip meaning your palms are facing away from you so chin ups is your your hands are facing towards you Again, start from a dead hang with your arms fully extended. Make sure your shoulders are packed down and away from your ears at all times, and then pull yourself up until your chest touches the bar. Hold the top position for a moment, and then slowly lower yourself back down. Really feel your lats squeezing as you pull yourself up. So again, once you progress from the regular chin-ups, and you can do three to four sets um, with multiple reps, then you can move on to weighted pull-ups. Um, which again, again, using a, uh, a dip assisted belt or a um, weighted vest is another way you can do this. Another thing you can do if you want to try is hold a dumbbell between your feet. Um, that's something else you could also try to do as well, although this is sort of a difficult to start, so I don't really recommend this if you're training alone, which most of us tend to do. Um, another thing you can do is some wide grip cable lap pull downs, which is probably one of the most scene exercises and globo gyms um it's a version of the wide grip pull-up it works your arms in the same way uh so the emphasis is on your lats with your upper lats receiving the greatest demand now you might be wondering why pull downs if you are doing pull-ups already well there are a few different reasons why cable pull downs is a great addition to your pull-ups first the pull down allows you to increase the volume remember that your lats need high volume for the best development other other times you can't do any more pull-ups but lats you're yet able to fully get exhausted through different planes of motion so also the lat pull down makes honing in your lats easier so you can stretch and squeeze them as much as possible and lastly lat pull downs are a good option for beginners who have troubles with pull-ups as you can control the weight so some form tips like the pull-up you want to keep your torso upright as possible your arms should make a Y um, starting position, arms need to be fully extended, lower the seat if you need to, you want to feel the stretch in your lats at the bottom. Start the movement by bringing your shoulder blades down and together and then push your elbows to your side as, a lat as you pull down the bar. Keep your core tight, 
moves slowly on the eccentric phase, which is the upward motion. So as you pull down, you want to squeeze and then don't just let the weight throw you back up. You want to control it up and down. Um, so another variation you can do is a close grip V handle lat pull down. Um, so there's, you can change out, if you haven't been to a Globo gym before, you can change out different uh, attachments for the lap pulls. So there's a there's one that looks like a V that you can clip on there. Um, this makes the shoulder the movement involving a higher degree of shoulder extension. So it's similar to doing close grip chin-ups. Um, what's more with this variation, you should be leaning back as you pull down. This allows you to use more weight and also brings your mid delts into play to a higher degree, making it more of a total lap movement. The close grip lat pull down incorporates more muscles, so it allows you to use a heavier load in addition to leaning motion of your torso. Also, comparing this to the traditional lat pull down, you have a considerable greater range of motion with this exercise. So, with that being said, it's a great exercise for building stronger and more mobile lats, not just getting bigger. Um, as far as a few form tips, start with your arms fully extended like before, brace your core, pulling down with your lats first and foremost just to focus on your lats and as you pull down start to lean back slightly body being about 30 to a 45 degree angle from the start position move very slowly on the eccentric phase to really maximize the effectiveness of this exercise and to put stress on your lats another good exercise is a cable crossover lat pull down whether you have access to a lat pull down machine or simply want to change things up the cable crossover machine lat pull down is an awesome variation to to activate your lats. The biggest difference with this variation is your grip position. So your arms are gonna be very wide and your hands will be in a neutral position. So this is really great for your upper lats and teres major, not to mention your lower trapezius. Another cool thing about this exercise is how well you can squeeze and stretch your lats. You can really optimize tension with this one. So you wanna set up the cable crossover machine at an appropriate height so that your arms are fully extended and you have a stretch on your lats when you're in the tall kneeling position use the stirrup handles from the tall kneeling position with your arms fully extended in a neutral grip brace your core and keep the tall kneeling position fixed then pull your elbows down in towards your body using your lats to power the movement squeeze at the bottom to maximize your contraction and then again slow on the eccentric or the up phase to really get a good stretch on your lats so in another variation for this you can do a single arm cable crossover lat pull down so just like the using two hands you can use this as a single hand to to better isolate and maximize each additional side so moving from that you can also do some horizontal pulling which again involves pulling a weight towards your body so in other words horizontal pulls are rows so for example you have bent over rows seated cable rows t-bar rows and single arm dumbbell rows aka croc rows um so an underhand bent over barbell row uh, this is the king of rows. It is the row that allows you to lift the most weight and is definitely the best option for building serious back and pulling strength as well as packing on muscle. With bent over, with bent over barbell rows, you'll have two main variations, underhand overhand grip. While the underhand and overhand bent over rows work your lats, the underhand row is lat-centric middle and lower, whereas the overhand row is more for your upper back, which is your lats and your rhomboids, or your traps and your rhomboids, rather. So uh, you can kind of change up your grip depending how you want to do it. So for the under and the under grip or the underhand rows, you want to um, put a slight bend in your knee and push your hips back. You so put your thigh in a high hip hinge position, then lean your torso forward so your body is just 
parallel to the floor. Your spine should be straight with no arch in your back. Pick up the barbell using an underhand grip with your hands about shoulder width apart just outside of your hips. While maintaining the bent over position, row your arms straight back until your arms are fully flexed and the bar touches your abs. Slowly lower the weight back down until your elbows are in full extension. There's another variation called the Yates Row, which is actually created by Doreen Yates, who I mentioned above, who had a very impressive back. It's a variation of the underhand grip row. Basically, it's the same thing, but you position your body with your torso more upright, about 30 degrees downward from the upright position. You'll also be pulling the bar towards your abs. So the benefit of the Yates Row is it hits your upper back too, and you can lift more weight. More weight is always ideal for building overall strength and muscle as well as boosting androgenic hormones. This exercise will direct, directly translate to bigger deadlifts, but again, you always want to start light, so if you're unfamiliar with this lift, you should always start with a bar or even a PVC pipe and then progress to weight as you go. You can always use the Smith machine. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Smith machines, actually. I feel the range of motion is restricted. If that's all that you have to work with, then you can do that. Just some of the some of the uh, motions are not as good on this Smith machine. So um, another one that I really like to do is dumbbell bent over rows. Uh, you can basically isolate one arm independently and you can work both sides evenly. This will also help you fix muscle imbalances. Furthermore, if you do with the dumbbell bent over rows, you can have a greater range of motion. So during the concentric phase and maximizing the squeeze at the top of the row. So there's another variation you do called an easy bar bent over row. The only benefit of an easy bar for bent over rows is it's a little easier on your wrists so you can position them more naturally. So the easy bar is typically the kind of wavy looking um, bar most people use bicep curls for. There's another variation of the row called the Pendelay row, which was created by Glenn Pendelay, who is an Olympic weightlifting coach. This is a great power and strength exercise for the back muscles with one of the main movers being the lats. The difference between the Pendelay row and normal bent over, or I'm sorry, overhand bent over row is the Pendelay row uses a wider grip. Um, so your arms are more flexed and the main action is horizontal ad abduction, which is the middle lats. You're, you row the barbell to your upper abs or lower chest rather than your lower or middle abs. You bring the barbell down to the floor with each rep. You move the barbell quickly and explosively off the floor with each rep. Overall, it's a pure back builder, so it's going to work all the muscles of your back. It's great for your lats as a whole, but also emphasizes the middle lats, which is the biggest area of your latissimus dorsi. So there's another variation called the T-bar row, which again, I'm sure you've seen in gyms before. So it's great at building a thicker, wider back. Your body position grip and the load positioning is what separates it from the bent over row. So the T-bar row, you have a greater range of motion because you can use a heavier load and overall it hits your lats a bit differently. It is very effective activating the lower region of your lats. So you start with the bar Start over the bar with a wide stance. You get into a bent over position with your spine straight and your chest up. Your feet are about 8 to 12 inches behind the plates. You can practice with the bar unloaded or lightweight until you get your feet positioned down. Your arms should be fully extended in the starting position. You contract your glutes and core and pull the weight towards your upper abdomen. Squeeze your lats to the top and then very slowly lower the bar back down until it touches the almost touches the floor and or your arms are fully extended. So there is a machine that does this. You can lay your chest on like a pad and kind of gives you the correct angle or you can use it um you can use it just bend over the end of a barbell and do it or there you can actually use a landmine extension and do it the same way they also do make a, a little accessory for a barbell that looks like a pair of handlebars you can slide over the barbell and then put the weight on this to help keep everything in place 
The croc row, which I alluded to earlier, which is also called the single arm row, is great for your entire back and as well as your grip strength. But in terms of lats, it really does a good job of activating them through a wide range of motion. Besides being an excellent exercise for your lats, it is an overall good upper body developer. I'm going to work. It's going to work your core significantly through stability, anti-rotation demands on your biceps and your forearms. So you want to get a bench and place your right hand and right knee on the bench with a dumbbell on your left hand with a neutral grip and your left leg in line with your hips and the knee of the propped leg. Your shoulders should be slightly higher than your hips, so about a 15 degree angle from the from parallel. With your left arm fully extended, you pull your elbow back until your elbow is fully flexed. Squeeze the best that you can at the top and then slowly lower it to full extension. Be sure to keep your core and, hi and hips tight and engaged at all times to avoid leaning. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. I went through a lot of variations of the lifts. There's plenty more out there, but these are the main ones I wanted to touch on as I've done the majority of these. The only one I really haven't done before is the cable crossover um row as I do not have this uh, in my garage but uh, um, you know a couple other quick exercises I'll talk about that I forgot to cover is a dumbbell pullover which basically you know you, body position allows you to better target your lats rather than your chest um, you basically support yourself on the side of a bench and you put the the dumbbell over your over your head and you pull it back over towards your chest deadlifts are another must i feel I, that's one of my core exercises that i firmly believe that helps build a great strong back is doing deadlifts um it'll strengthen your lats but it also just a great overall strength developer of your body um so it's not a lot specific exercise but it's just a great thing to throw into your training regimen if you haven't so so anyway hope you enjoyed the show for today um get out there and get your labs checked if you haven't for quite a while also don't forget to get your colonoscopy also, try to incorporate at least one of these movements that we talked about today into your programming to get your lats growing. Um, again, always watch videos and or get coached properly before adding weight to these exercises. So I have a big saying that I say in my gym and to my kids that it's not about the weight that you move, it's how you move the weight. So form over plates is always the best way to go with that. So um, please feel free to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues if you have enjoyed this and also leave a five-star review this really helps the show reach more people now get out there and get moving and remember movement is the best medicine